time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Spiders. Um, spiders. Lots of spiders. Welcome to uh, Yum Chunks podcast uh, and after the credits. This is something like that. This is Matt Chewy. Welcome. You're, we are joining, you are joining us with, um, everything's all mixed up because of the multiverse. Um, the uh, Ryan Davis. Hello, Ryan Davis. Whoa, it's all topsy-turvy. Whoa, what'd you get here? Through the portal. When the are... portal of, I guess, how? <laughs> where? Uh, <laughs> from where did you get? Why did you get here? <laughs> I'm from Earth 42. It was meant for me. Oh, okay. Uh, do we have Sean Davis here? Hello, Gov. Now I'm the, the one one that has the uh, cult. Hobby? Hobby. Yeah. Charles Dickens. Uh, Charles Sean, Dickens. From the, Sean Davis from the Sh- Actually, Charles Dickens. Actually, that'd be a great Spider-Man. I want to see a Dickensian Spider-Man. That, that, oh, that man. That would be awesome. Like a street urchin, you know? Like, t- yeah. Uh, 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 not, I was going to say... Taylor Swift. What's the what's the um, Oliver what? Twist? Well, there's got to be a universe where Taylor Swift is Spider Man. Oh man, I want to see both of these Spider Verses. God. Well, we got another. Uh, we got a whole other Spider Verse uh, locked and loaded for us yeah, at some knows? point in the future. So, exactly. uh, yeah, Taylor Swift, Spider Spider Swift. <laughs> Sp- <laughs> hashtag Spider Swift. Make it trend, listeners. All hundreds and thousands of you, make it trend. Hashtag Spider Swift. I bet you'd be on board. All right. Well, uh, yeah. this is episode 120 of uh, After the Credits of Young Chicks Podcast. And if you're wondering, why are they still doing this after 120 episodes? So are we. We had to get the at least the same amount of stars that there are in Super Mario 64. Is that accurate? Is that how many there are? Yeah, there's 120 stars in Mario Isn't there like 1,000 in uh, Odyssey? It's yes. like some crazy high number. Yeah. I think, well, th- there's like, I mean... 800 something yeah. unique ones but you can you buy the rest get up to 999 yes. what do you mean buy the rest with like money well coins wait didn't you play it i thought you played it I, or no, i mean you? i put like i don't know i probably put like 20 hours into it which is like these, for a mario game it's a lot um, for these days it's it's like the max amount of hours i want to put into any video game <laughs> Well, if you, you, you know, you collect coins and that, well, you collect coins and all, but that's like your currency and oh, those right. shops where you could buy outfits and stuff. Right. I like that one of the outfits you could buy is just no clothes. You have to purchase <laughs> that to... though. You have to purchase the ability yeah. to run around in your underwear. But, oh, that was my first purchase. <laughs> it was money well spent. I, mean, that Mario I guess skin. you're purchasing ideas. Like Mario didn't have that idea. Like, oh, you mean I don't have to wear a shirt? You have to pay somebody to te- to tell Mario. <laughs> that this is an option all right what are we talking about okay um yeah so we're gonna be talking about across the spider-verse which is the sequel to the critically acclaimed came out of nowhere animated hit film uh, into the spider-verse from 2019 i think is when it came out uh something like that uh before we do that let's uh engage in our ritual of unloading all these heavy heavy chunks that we've been carrying around and burning them and I think first let's uh, let's stop in. Let's do a little check in with Sean Davis and see what Sean Davis has been up to and what he's about. Sean, 
here you go. Here's oh, the... thanks, Chewy. Yeah. Um, what's happening in my neck of the woods? I don't know. You well, tell us. Well, quick, quick little update for listeners, because I did say last episode that I would check into if you could make seafood fricassee in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Oh. So I spent oh. um, 10 hours since our last episode just cooking in Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, which is kind of a joke. But honestly, I, I know people have spent longer cooking. Um because there's literally hundreds of dishes you could cook. Um, and my results are that there, I was not able to find anything that is so specifically called seafood fricassee. But there's like at least a dozen or more dishes that have like there's seafood soup, creamy seafood soup. There's seafood rice balls. There's seafood paella, seafood curry, seafood kebab, seafood... Uh, just like fried seafood like there's all these versions of seafood and so i think that like the fricassee what we were looking up kind of falls into something like that it's like a stew but like also i don't know a seafood and gravy a dish you can make not labeled as such but you can make seafood there's creamy seafood soup that's gotta be that sounds like a stew right like that sounds like seafood seafood stew fricassee um so you know it's not a hundred percent but i i feel like the you know the thought is there the intention is there so you know well, close so enough that's uh, i i admire the effort that you put into this for finding out uh the answer to this question posed in the last episode and, and might i just say if it were me playing and i spent 10 hours trying to make seafood fricassee that would be half the amount of hours i would be able to spend before <laughs> be giving your... <laughs> up stopping the game and starting something else you won't even know that you could uh take off link's shirt yeah right? you don't have to buy it link doesn't need to be taught that though you could just do it that's because he's a man ability. yeah he's smarter than mario i guess <laughs> Um, anyways, but yeah, so still plenty of Zelda, deep into Zelda. Uh, another thing that is just, um, uh, a rehash of last episode, um, and that is I watched I Think You Should Leave all the way through for another time, which is not worth going entirely through again, but on this recent watch, a couple more sketches that jump out at me that I think are worth mentioning, which stand out as some faves. Um, you got Shirt Brothers. The Shirt Brothers sketch is one of my favorite is is a really good one from this season that I like. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> we're Shirt Brothers. I forgot about that Shirt, one. Shirt Brothers, I need you. <laughs> Shirt Brothers, I need you. it's like I promise me a million times that you won't ever do another rule. Um, there's some, some <laughs> um, good stuff there, and then just in general, I like a lot of the songs that are original in this season. They're so like you you don't even notice them. They're a lot in the background, but there's the sketch with like the guy's birthday party at the office kind of thing, and Patty Harrison's like, oh weird. yeah, but they're doing feeding him up. shots and yeah, stuff. Yeah, feeding him and shots like... and. She has her rat pets, but like there's the song that's they're singing at karaoke and then plays over the end. It's like, wild on, wild on tonight. We're going wild on. I don't know. Like, <laughs> listening to that again was great. Really funny. And then one of, I think, might be my top three favorite sketches this season is the Tim Meadows sketch, the photo booth, 
where oh yeah he's, he puts a feather down his throat i can't think of something this fast you yeah it's like yeah, three seconds was so it's good. not enough time he's like ah the purple purple fe- i could have been barney like could have been like barney's hair <laughs> look at me look at me at barney like barney's hair <laughs> he's like a, he's like a cloth cloth is hairs they're little tiny hairs <laughs> Uh, it's yeah. great. <laughs> so, anyways, just just wanted to revisit that because why not? Because it's something I did and I loved it and and uh, I laughed. So, anyways, there's that. Um, and then something that we occasionally bring up on this uh, on Chunk Fire, and that is it's been another GDQ, which is Games Done Quick season. Um, they had the big marathon the last couple weeks. It actually seem to go longer than most cases um and uh you know we've talked to fair a bit about a lot of different crazy speed runs they do i just want to highlight two or three that i thought were kind of unique someone did a speed run of the original super mario brothers one-handed uh, yeah um, i saw that one yeah and he did he beat in every single level not using warps and he did it in like 20 minutes one-handed and one of the coolest things and i don't know if i ever knew this is there's a there's a bug where you could get fire Mario as yeah. little Mario. Like you could be, you know, small Mario with fire hmm. and you, it has the correct, like it's the, the correct art. Like you're in the white suit, but it's a little, yeah. like they have it's it good. in the game. Right. They left that game asset in there for some reason. And, yeah. and it, but it's weird. Cause every time you shoot a fireball, you turn big for a second for like one frame, you get a big yeah. Mario, but otherwise, it plays and looks like it's intentional. But I had never known that was even possible. But it's just crazy also, like, playing a game one-handed on the old NES controller and something like as simple as moving backwards becomes immediately more complicated. But it was just really impressive. Uh, you know, yeah. obviously, any that playing through that game, all levels in 20 minutes, and like, you didn't die. And maybe you died once or something. I don't know. But um, yeah. Well, what I liked about that run is that he's showing off this very lesser known weird thing about the game yeah but he's but he's doing it to because it is faster to do that yeah and that's the crazy part because like it's like there's all kinds of secrets hidden in video games that we will never know about and even these kind of showcases where they spotlight those sort of things will never get revealed but here we get to see it specifically because being small while being able to shoot fireballs is a faster way to run yeah. the game. You could, because you're smaller, you can move through, you know, there's parts of levels where you only could get through if you're small or whatever. So it's like, and, and just even like maneuvering around enemies and obstacles is easier if you're small because you have a small hitbox, right. all that kind of stuff. So it, it was pretty impressive. That was a highlight. And then there was a similarly uh, a Mega Man, Mega Man 6, one of the Mega Mans, one of the original old school Mega Mans, but it was, uh, two players on the same controller so one person was controlling movement and the other person was controlling the a and b button so jumping and firing and it's funny because just watching the video is just like well it's just someone playing mega man but like when you think about the coordination involved and what that entails it's pretty impressive and obviously they're going through fast and they're like beating bosses while taking damage they know exactly the timing of jumps and how like coordination so that was another fun uh, another fun one. Um, and then the last one I mentioned, just because it's always impressive, but also because it's Zelda, and that is a Zelda Breath of the Wild speedrun um, that he beat it in like 90 minutes, and he did it blindfolded, which those are always just so ridiculous what? to me that someone... Yeah, like, yeah. That's not real. 
I, it's and it's look funny. it up. It's yeah. pretty crazy. It's crazy, and it's and it's like obviously he's really good, and there's all these little tricks, and it's a. I think there's like one or two like weird kind of glitches, but in general, it's not really gl- a glitched run. It basically he plays through it pretty le- like legit how you would potentially do it, but like he's having to do so much based on sound. So he's like literally counting the the sound effects of Link's steps as he's running. He's like counting how many times he's hopping left or right. Um, but then there's a couple times it's kind of funny where he does get a little messed up. And it's funny because, like, the whole run, it looks like, man, this guy is, like, an expert and he's timing shield parries, which, if you know Zelda, that's pretty impressive, even when you're able to look at the game, but let alone blindfolded. Um, all this stuff. But then he gets one thing off, like, out of whack, and then it just looks like he's, like, uh, someone who doesn't know how to play video games, right? Because he's doing all these memorized movements, but not in the exact right context, it's just a hilarious kind of mess where he's running into walls and slashing at nothing. And like, I don't know, it's, but, but overall it's just like crazy impressive what, what they're doing. So yeah, it doesn't seem possible. I mean, it, it seems like yeah. you'd run into monsters that wouldn't be there and you know, I, I don't know. It just seems like you can't account for everything. Yeah. Well there, and, that, and that's one aspect there's always, there's a few things that are random and, and there's, ways they try they they account for it and try to make up for that a lot of things are nice because like when you enter cutscenes or trigger igcs those are always just like uh, yes benchmark we got there because the game will always put the player back at the exact same location right. after an igc right so you could always know exactly you know you could uh, orient yourself um but yeah something like in the boss fight, he died like five times in a row, and it was just like, man, this—he, you could see him struggling, but he was still able to like get headshots with the bow and arrow like that. I don't even know how that worked, but he was able to get like headshots aiming with the bow and arrow, blindfolded. I, I don't. Anyways, it, it's—I would definitely recommend it, even if you're not like a fan of just like speedrunning in general. Those couple, those kind of runs were just like so impressive. Partially because they're doing it fast, but partially just because it's so... What they're actually doing is ridiculous, aside from it being fast. So, um, Yeah. Um, so, and then my last chunk is a movie I saw and an episode we're not going to be doing. Um, and that is Transformers Rise of the Beast. came out last week. Um, I don't know why I saw this. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Sean, I was, uh, I was doing something the other day and I had to kill a few hours. And I was like, I could see Transformers... Or I could see Fast X, or I could see Little Mermaid again, and, and I went with Little Mermaid. <laughs> I mean, after seeing all three of those, I yeah, you made the right decision. And <laughs> listeners know what that means based on our last episode, um, how we felt about Little Mermaid. But Rise of the Beasts, it's I'm I I really dislike the Transformers franchise. Those movies, I'm not a fan of, except for Bumblebee, the most recent one, which was pretty decent, was pretty good and fun. All the rest of them, I they're just so uh, I, I I really don't like them. Um, so compared to those, this one's better. Like it's less offensively annoying, and partially, and I think most significantly, is because it doesn't have the you know Michael Bay stink on it. If, <laughs> if that means anything, no, it does. Yeah, he he. I guess he's still a producer, but he didn't like direct this one. Um, so. So that's a good thing overall, although it does feel, I think, a little more generic because of that. Like, as much as those movies are awful, I hate them, they still are kind of, like, weirdly sticking your craw and you could at least remember them for how, like, 
just an, like I don't know, aggravating they are in points, and just loud and sweaty they are, and <laughs> stupid and ugly in so many ways. This is just more generally kind of generic, um, but I still liked it better. Uh, the 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 transformers themselves, I think, look better. Um, the characters are less awful. I don't know. It's it's fine, it, but yeah. there's no reason for anyone to really go see this. Well, then it does sound like I made the right choice. I I, yes. I never saw Bumblebee, but I've I've always said the best Transformers movie is Transformers: The Ride, at Universal Studios, because <laughs> yes. it's well, uh it's it's three minutes long and it's a ride and you get to scream Optimus yeah. however many times you want <laughs> while you're on it. Um, that's probably true. I've never ridden that ride, so I can't compare. But but yes, that's right. I don't know you, but yes. Um, <laughs> uh. So, I, I mean, even if, like, oh, there's the Beast guys, whatever those guys, they're from something. They're they're in the c- cartoon, or they have the toys, right? So it was like, ooh, the Beast. And they're kind of cool, I guess. I mean, they're animals. but And Unicron's in this one? Was Unicron in any of the other ones? I don't know. I think Unicron was in the animated? Well, he was in the animated 80s one, for sure. Yeah. But I don't think he had been in any of the uh, live-action Bay ones. I don't okay. think... So, I don't remember though. They all blend together. So they have vehicles that turn into robots that turn into animals, or okay, but also like they already did yeah. dinosaurs, so it's kind of a step down in my mind. Well, I think it's a com a me- like uh, it's one of those like um, what's the word I'm looking for? But because I think Beast Wars was a different show than Transformers, right? But then it was they yeah. did have some crossover, did they, didn't they, or something? I mean, I guess it was all Hasbro. So yeah, it's all Hasbro. So they're made to sell toys. Yeah, obviously. So I think if it wasn't ever crossed over in the 80s cartoons and the Beast Wars cartoon or CG show, then maybe that's kind of the appeal of here's like, ooh, look at these two things we're crossing over. I guess. I don't know. It was fine that, you know, they were, yeah, they're animals that turn into robots. And then there's vehicles that turn into robots. Also, it's, I didn't realize this, but like the main character is Pete Davidson. Not not the human character. The main robot character is Pete Davidson. <laughs> oh, well, that's so a that gorilla. Was, no, it's Mirage. Uh, I don't know if he's an existing Transformer or not, but he's oh. like kind of the main one. He's kind of Bumblebee's in this, but he dies. Spoilers. So sorry, I guess spoilers. Bumblebee dies, but he comes back. Um, Say, so hasn't he died before? Well, I don't know. I don't know. He died, and then he comes back later in the film. But Pete Davidson's like the main one who's buddies with the human. Um, who's the guy from In the Heights right yeah Anthony Ramos Um, and then RC's in this one though and I'm pretty sure RC had not been in any of the live action movies so that's kind of like oh RC's in there that's cool that was cool Um, and yeah I don't know that's it but but there are robots that turn into cars and robots that turn into animals yes Yes. because they're robots in disguise (laughs) exactly and there is a line that actually got a chuckle out of me about not robots in disguise but more than meets the eye or something like that Okay, and say like I, I if I saw a mechanical gorilla, I'd be like, oh, that's just, that's not a robot. That's it's clearly it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> and and it's like five stories tall. And it's like yeah, oh, yeah, like that's oh, that's just, just a, a gorilla. It's definitely then, not a robot. I think there's a it's cheetah, there's an eagle, there's a rhino, and there's a I don't know something else. Anyways, but they're all in the jungle in in South America or something. It's it's not worth anyone's time unless you are just like hardcore super fan of Beast Wars and don't care the quality of the film and just want to see him on a big screen. Then 
you know, it's there's some there's some moments that are fun, um, but not that big of a step up from the uh, Bay Transformers, in my opinion. So, but anyways, that's all of my chunks. I took up enough chunking time, so let's pass the chunk torch to Chewie. Hello. All right. I've been seeing some movies. Um, you know, my wife and I are big Always Sunny fans, and two of the Always Sunny cast members had uh, film projects recently. Um, first one we saw was Fool's Paradise, starring Charlie Day. Um, don't go see that movie. <laughs> don't know if you've even heard of it. I've heard it. I was thinking about going seeing it, but that's too bad. No, I, I can't recommend that to anybody. Um, yeah, I guess it was, it was a passion project for Charlie Day. He wrote and directed it. He had been working on it for several years. And then COVID hit and caused it to delay multiple times. Then there were rewrites and reshoots and all kinds of stuff. And um, yeah, it, 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 it just is, it's, it's weird and it's just not very good. Um, it has its moments, uh, but yeah, it doesn't really come together. Um, the other one uh, starring Glenn Howerton, um, he is the movie Blackberry. Um, and I did like that movie quite a bit. It's on some streaming service. I th- no, wait, we went to go see it in theaters. Yeah. Uh, Blackberry, the truish story of the rise and fall of the Blackberry smartphone and the invention of the smartphone, and uh, yeah, I like that one a lot. It's um, it you know I I it's it's fun to, I mean this makes me sound really old, but it's fun to be like oh yeah I remember like those news headlines and the order that they came out and I remember I remember like seeing all this stuff happen in real time but not knowing what was going on behind the scenes. I guess that's the appeal of those type of movies. Um, but yeah, Glenn Howerton, I hadn't really seen him in anything else besides Always Sunny, so, um, surprised to, it's very, uh, he was, he's, he was greatly cast, and also just not like anything he does in Always Sunny, so, that was good. Um, and then today, I, um, had to take my car in for some work, so I had some hours to kill, um, and I, uh, I, the only thing that was playing in that time was, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret which uh, is an adaptation of a 70s Judy Bloom novel, a very, um, a very uh, prolific, popular one that's been the subject of controversies and being banned several times and whatnot. It's just about, it's just about a preteen girl going through puberty, like, and being like, I don't know, it's like, you know, like, uh, Pen15, Turning Red, all those things were inspired by this book, and um, so this is a film adaptation. And I thought it was very good. I like coming-of-age stories, pretty much all of them. I love that genre. And I read that Judy Bloom, the author herself, said that the movie was better than her own book. So, okay, cool. That means I never have to read it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's from the author. That's what she said. The, yeah. the movie does a better job telling my story than I did. So, uh, there you go. Um, and then one last thing is not a film, but uh, Maeve and I with some friends went to go see a concert the other night. It was Ludacris opening for Janet Jackson. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, yeah, it was a big show. And um, I guess, I don't know if it was Ticketmaster or whatever, but um, a few months ago, they were having a big sale on a lot of different shows. And Maeve picked up tickets for all kinds of different shows over the next few months. Um, we're seeing Earth, Wind & Fire this weekend um with the same group of friends um but uh yeah that one the ticket for that the the cheapo cheapo hillside seats were 25 dollars uh so uh, we went and it was 
packed. It was crazy, crazy packed. I haven't been to a festival, um, like a music festival, but I have to, you know, I've seen pictures and video and just seeing how smashed in people were. Uh, that That's what it was like. And I was surprised that for um, for Janet Jackson, it was that that crazy. Um, and it was crazy. People were... And we, we arrived a couple songs into Ludacris' set, and um, people were already pretty... Uh, they had pre-gamed, we'll say. People were pretty, uh, pretty rowdy already. Um, but uh, it, it was a great show. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't care so much about Ludacris. I, I recognize a couple of his songs, and I thought his set overall was all right. Um, but I was really surprised by how long Janet Jackson's set was, just how many songs she played, um, how much choreography there was. She's dancing like the entire set, and you know she's not young anymore. So and dance. Yeah, I was just gonna ask. She's she's kind of getting up there. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. And you know there are a couple breaks. I I, I want to say that there's like three breaks in the show where um I'm like okay a costume change or a set change is happening here. Also, she's probably just like sitting for a few minutes. But during those breaks, there was always some cool tech thing going on. It was almost always laser shows. Um, and I also thought that the production value, the the production quality was really high uh, with all the lighting and the lasers and the set design. Everything about it was just like, it's one of those things where there's a lot of artists. So I would say like, if I have an opportunity to see them, like, and they're, they're a big name, like I'm go, I'd go see them and I'm sure I'd have a good time, right? Like I was never really a Janet Jackson fan, uh, but I wasn't not a fan, you know? Um, so really impressed by the performance and we had a great time. So, um, and speaking of musical performances, I will pass the chunking, chunking thing over to Ryan Davis. Ryan Davis, it is your time now. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of musical things, um, I went to Coachella this year. Um, I guess that was over almost two months ago now. Jeez. Um, and I just haven't had a chance to share, um, about it uh, i don't have too many like you know so oh, this crazy thing happened you know you're at a festival and you're gonna meet people and they're gonna be weird or not and it's, <laughs> you'll go about your business um but i just i kind of wanted to just uh share a little bit about it maybe share some artists that i saw and some highlights um but uh, I went with four other people, um, friends of mine, Mario, um, who I've mentioned on the podcast before, his girlfriend, and then two other folks who, one of which I was acquainted, the other was I had not met before. Um, and as we're preparing to go the, uh, I guess, a couple nights before the event itself, we were we went to Costco to kind of buy uh, you know, supplies that we'll need. Cause once you're on the fairgrounds and you're camping, you, you kind of, you're, you're locked in, you're, you're locked in into an environment where your living space becomes all of eight by eight feet, probably less than that. And you're sharing it with four others and you're surrounded by hundreds and thousands of other people who share the same sort of conditions. And you just, you, you survive based on what you bring and it's a hundred degrees. Well, it was like, high to mid 90s but so it's a very uh you know inhospitable environment and as we're preparing to go and getting supplies it was revealed that the the person i didn't know would be providing food essentially meals for us that in cooking and like he's a good cook and stuff so it's like oh no what am what am i bringing to the table like what are we and so it, it and it reminded me of uh the movie triangle of sadness 
Um, I'm not sure exactly why, but it just felt like, okay, I'm entering a scenario where we're going to be stranded and I'm going to, what do I have to offer? Right. And so of course, and so I shared this thought with, with my group and luckily they had all seen it. And so we, it was, we, throughout the entire week, we were kind of these like little microcosm jokes about like triangle of sadness and how we're in this environment where it's inhospitable and, and all these kinds of things. Well, um, this is going to come back later. It's important. <laughs> but um uh right so we we get there and i don't know if you guys have been re- had read any of the news about coachella but well the first weekend uh, you know there's two weekends okay right mm-hmm. yeah. separated by a week uh the first weekend frank ocean it well both i guess were he frank ocean was scheduled to uh be the headliner for the final night sunday night um but on the first weekend some sort of catastrophe happened which is still yet unclear um where he only kind of half performed like if you read something some reports will say he injured his ankle but anyway his final epic you know he's the closer for the entire festival he was was supposed to have had this huge ice skating rink again in the middle of 100 degree weather in in the desert but anyway a huge ice skating rink with over 100 ice skaters so it was going to be this bombastic thing and like whatever but anyway during the event like he only like performed like half his set and there was no ice skaters and the whole thing kind of <laughs> fell apart anyway you could watch youtube videos and like, try to explain it no one really knows the full answer but anyway so people were very much questioning what's going to happen on weekend two which is where i held my ticket for and i think i'm trying to remember the timeline here but at some point frank ocean drops out and no one knows what they're going to do because it's not like they can just end the festival early, right? Like people are going to be really mad. They they paid a lot of money to go to this thing. So we're there on the fairgrounds, you know, and I think it's not until I want to say Friday night, like two nights before that they announced that they've, that they got some people to fill in. Um, and it, one, they, they brought, because Blink-182 was sort of a surprise show up on the first weekend. So people predicted, oh, they'll get them back. And of course they did. And they got a full set this time on on the biggest stage, which was fantastic that I got to see Blink-182 on the biggest stage they've ever played. Huh. Um, and yeah, they crazy. they filled the sound way better than, than I would have given them credit for. Because I did watch the live stream weekend one, and I thought it was okay for blank that is but man being there and having them fill that sound was on that stage was amazing um so anyway so i'm getting to the part where they're going to fill they still haven't announced where they're gonna what they're gonna do so they 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 then announced that um they got uh, essentially three people to come headline the final act and it's fred again fortet and Skrillex, and those may, names may or may not mean anything to you, but they're pretty big names in the sort of the EDM world. Mm. Um, and what's crazy about this, well, kind of crazy, is that so I mentioned Triangle of Sadness has kind of been for me at least, and, and the others were like a, kind of a running joke. Well, Mario um, had been trying to and had had got me into Fred again via um, well, he, he's into music stuff, so we share music, but. Um, Fred again was one of these artists and Fred again, the way I became aware of him was through triangle of sadness. His song, we lost dancing is the closing song of uh, the movie when he's like running through at the very last. Exactly. Kind of shot. Right. It. And you can, you can probably just imagine that yeah, scene yeah, right yeah, now yeah. because that music just 
it yeah. it hits perfectly in that moment. It is it feels good. It, it and yeah. And so it just was this crazy thing where like it's not that big of a coincidence, but it was still like this interesting thing where it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this like came all about. And it was a big moment, I think. Yeah, moment we'll say for Mario because he was super into him, and it, it was completely unknown uh, that those guys would show up. And they're, again, they're all big names, so it was it's really great. And um, what's kind of cool if you watch um, the streams, like the recorded uh, recordings, because they record all the shows of that final act um, where the three were performing, you can see our group very uh, visibly because we sort of had been watching the news and figuring things out and kind of watching the st- um, them erecting the fairgrounds for like, remember there was that huge yeah. ice skating rink in the middle. So we figured out they would, instead of performing on the main stage, they would be forming on this weird island in the middle of the whole polo field. So we got this primo spot like right up front, whereas everyone else, not everyone else, of course there's over a hundred thousand people, but you know, people were arriving yeah. early. We're trying to get right up front. Um, which I'm sure maybe some of them were upset by this, but anyway, <laughs> we, we, we were, we were clever enough to do this. And so we, we were bam right there. Um, so anyway, it was, it was kind of like this, and that final act was just super amazing. It was, it was awesome. Everyone's dancing over, like I said, the entire polo field, over a hundred thousand people all together dancing and going crazy. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, and I did survive. Um, yeah. Just, despite the triangle of sadness. Um, well, also, I mean, you kind of talked about this when you're fr- you said the other guy was the cook, but did you end up deciding on what food to bring to hand out to people? Was it? I did. Oh, that's was right. Was it the yes. big tub of uh, yogurt that Sean suggested? Yeah. Nah, I, you know what? I th- it was a regret. I, uh, next year, <laughs> well, if I go next year, we'll we'll, we'll do the big tub or, tub of yogurt. But I did have I, I so I had this <laughs> I got this little pouch that had like M M&M and M branding on it from mario from a friend of his and he's like okay you have to have a little pouch or something a fanny pack or a backpack or something yeah. to carry junk so i put a bunch of like like water and snacks in there so i said oh, i'll be like the m&m guy and i'll carry around little tubes of mini m&ms and so if people ever ask me about my little satchel i'll hand them a tube of m&ms and they'll be like oh the m&m guy anyway that never happened um <laughs> oh, <man>. but <laughs> uh, man <laughs> no it, it did actually happen once on the final day um where like some guy was like he was like he's like oh man i'm hungry and like boom here you go but but what ended up happening anyway at the end of the day i would regroup with people and say oh how'd you do ryan any m&m's hand out like no so i would just give it to them which they were very appreciative of so <laughs> i mean how many did you have i brought three with me every day three individual okay. m&m's <laughs> yes <laughs> uh but they they didn't melt, so it was a uh, it was uh, in your mouth, not in your hand. New Year's. Uh, I want to say two thousand eight or nine. We all went to Vegas, and you were the cookie guy. Oh, that's right. I was the cookie yeah, guy, I, and I gave him out of my top. Yeah, hat. we went to the buffet at the uh, the Mirage, the New Year's Eve mm-hmm. dinner buffet, and they were giving out uh, New Year's tiaras and New Year's top hats, you know, made of cardboard. And I remember we went to the dessert bar. And you found that the 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 mandrake root, the mandrake that you root that, that you we hid in the chocolate put sauce. in the, the bowl of chocolate sauce, and then <laughs> for no reason. And then uh, they they had at the buffet line those they were like Mrs. Fields co- cookies, like the big giant pancake sized chocolate chip cookies. And so we, we filled one of the the cardboard top hats with cookies, just like entirely like like way more than we were supposed to have. And then walking around on the strip 
for New Year's, Ryan just we'd meet Ryan, we'd meet people and Ryan would give him a cookie and be, remember that one guy who was like, "Hey, everybody, this guy's got cookies." And yeah, people, I remember that guy. Yeah, you remember that guy? I don't remember that guy. I, oh yeah, I have video footage somewhere on one of my hard drives of from that night and that guy like doing that oh it would be great to hear that guy i have it i have it somewhere i have to look for it but i know i have footage of it um (laughs) man we should you should see if you can capture that audio and then put it as a bumper and in our podcast okay yeah or integrate it into the intro somehow classic young chunks quote that guy (laughs) yeah that's true It'll be the only one in the bumper. Uh, this guy's got cookies. Young Chunks podcast. After <laughs> yeah. the credits, Young Chunks podcast. Uh, oh man, that'd be great. Um, well, anyway, yeah. So it uh, it it was it was a great time. Um, I just want to maybe highlight some artists that I saw that were great and fun. There's a million, so I'm not gonna can't mention them all. And I definitely saw more than I can remember. But uh, yeah, so let's see. I saw Wet Leg. I saw Blondie. I saw I already mentioned Blink. Um, Caliucci. Uh, Metro Boomin. Actually, I didn't see Metro Boomin because I was seeing someone else, but he was there. Um, relevant for the movie we were covering. Um, I saw Labyrinth, Boy Genius, Blackpink, Chromio, Bad Bunny, Roselia. Um, one person I want to especially highlight is Diljit Dosange. He is the first Punjabi performer to ever perform at Coachella. And he was recommended to my to me by a coworker, and he was amazing. He was super good. He was awesome. Um, it is like super bombastic show. Um, and yeah, he's good. Look him up. Uh, let's see, Linda Lindas were a huge highlight for me. Probably the best performer overall of the entire thing was the Gorillas. Uh, he was oh. just super amazing. Um, the big thing this year and previous years, I suppose. Um, uh, it was just guests. That's like the new thing. Oh, you, you didn't have 12 guests come out on stage during your performance? <laughs> what are you even doing at Coachella? Um, uh, oh, yeah. And speaking of reasons to go to Coachella, I had to mention that you can see me on uh, recordings of um, the final act because the only reason to go to Coachella is to prove that you went to Coachella. So oh, I think yeah. I've hit the top marks on that regard. Uh, I also saw Bjork, although what's interesting is that, like, it's interesting to be surrounded by, like, 100,000 people, yet still be completely alone. I was, like, the only one in the audience was like, oh, I guess no one else cares about Bjork because everyone's just talking the entire time. Um, It does sort of feel like Comic-Con and the idea that, like, you might be going to a show or, you know, to this place, as is the person next to you and the person next to them. But they might be here for the person after the person you're seeing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so it kind of, uh, yeah, all the things that come with that. But, uh, yeah, a uh, great time. I just wanted to share a little bit about my experience. That's all That's all the chunks we got for now. Great. Sounds like you had a good time. Glad that you're alive still. Uh, I was, I'm was. i surprised. <laughs> I'm, su- I'm su- real surprised. Um, one of these days. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like Is that a threat? Get, Are you getting, threatening him? <laughs> It's like getting to have your cake and eating it too. Just know that you unless know. you have two cakes. Right. Yeah, Spider Verse. Okay. Speaking <laughs> of, um, who's uh? So uh, we're gonna talk about Spider Verse now. Um, spoilers for Spider Verse the second, Spider Verse the first, all things Spider Man, probably all things Marvel, probably all things, and probably all, Just things. all things. Spoilers for spoilers everything. from here on out. And who's recapping this thing? I'm doing this. Sean, one. do this one. 
All right, let's do this one last time. Eh, no, I get, it. I get it. It just wasn't funny. I know. I, it didn't have to be funny. It's just a reference. References don't aren't funny. They're just automatically good. If you say right. something that's from something, that means right. Because then good. my brain says, "Oh, I know that thing. I'm smart. Exactly. I'm I'm good because I know thing." <laughs> I recognize the thing that we're here to talk about. Whoa, nice. Um. <laughs> anyways, uh. So. We actually start with a little bit of Spider-Gwen's backstory. Um, She is in her universe and some crazy stuff happens where some vulture character seemingly from another universe um, attacks and she stops him with the help of some other spider people. Um, It is spider Jesse Drew and Miguel O'Hara who are kind of, I guess, part of, like, some sort of multidimensional spider squad that they help her take down this vulture. In the meantime, though, um, she kind of confronts her dad, who is a police detective who's been hunting for Spider-Man because in her universe, he thinks Spider- or Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, thinks Spider-Woman killed Peter Parker. When she really didn't kill him, it was, you know, he there was a whole Harry Osborn kind of situation, but with Peter Parker in this universe. Um, and, uh... She tells him who she is, and he wants to arrest her, doesn't accept her, and so she flees to the Spider-Verse to kind of be part of the Spider-Squad. That's all just the intro. Now we cut to the, you know, jump to the actual movie, and we're with Miles Morales in Brooklyn in his universe. He's just, you know, busy being a Spider-Man and a teen, trying to deal with all these things and juggle it. You know, classic Spider-Man kind of stuff. Um, He's trying to get into colleges so he has applications and interviews that he's has to uh make um his parents are worried about him they don't think he's focused enough um so as he's on the way to a college interview he is attacked or you know he runs into this criminal called the spot who kind of has portals on his body and could jump through portals and the spot is kind of obsessed with Miles because the spot thinks he's they're like they're he's my nemesis. Yeah, I'm your nemesis. We're destined to fight. And Miles does not even know who this guy is or cares. So he uh, he stops him on the way to the interview or prevents him from robbing the ATM. I think he was trying to rob. Um, uh, as he's doing that, though, the spot is able to, like, go inside himself. Like he goes inside himself and that allows him to, like, kind of weirdly jump between universes and multiverses so uh miles deals with parents and family stuff and coming of age and he's also as spider-man working with his dad who his dad doesn't know who he is but they're kind of on a you know uh uh somewhat stable like kind of like mutual respect relationship where the cops are working with spider-man um and then spider-gwen shows up and Miles is like, what? You're here. I thought we weren't going to be able to get in, you know, you're, how are you able to jump universes? And she's kind of playing a little coy, but they're obviously very happy to see each other. And uh, she's like, I, I'm just happy to see you, but I got to go. Um, and Spider-Man's like, or, or, you know, Miles is like, okay, but he follows her. And he learns that she has kind of been not telling him the whole truth and that she's not supposed to be talking to him. And that in general, all the other universes, all the other Spider-Men and all the universes are not allowed or should not be interacting with Miles at all for some reason. So he follows her through her portal back to the uh, whatever Spider-Verse she's going to, and he comes to, like, Spider Central, which is, like, the beating heart of the multiverse, which is where all the Spider-Men 
congregate and team up and go on missions and so there's literally hundreds and hundreds and thousands of spider-man and they're all references to things and uh cameos and anything and everything spider-man or maybe not even spider-man are there and it's and it's crazy um and he meets the head of them who is oscar isaacs who is uh, uh, uh miguel o'hara and he's like, look, you're not supposed to be here. You're not, you cannot be part of this. You got to go back. You got to go back to your universe. And like, what? No, I could help. I'll, let me just help. And so I, I think they, they go on a brief little mission, even though that he's, Spider-Man's not supposed to be there. Oh, did I do something out of order? Maybe. I think, no. Well, so they go and help this other Spider-Verse, which is the Mumbatten, which is like Indian New York like New York, Manhattan, but if it was Mumbai. So it's insanely crazy, and they help the Spider-Man in that universe, and Miles is there to help, and by helping, he actually prevents um, uh, Paviter Prabhakar, who is the Peter Spider-Man in that universe. They prevent his family, like his father or his girlfriend and his girlfriend's father from dying, which unbeknownst to Miles, is a pivotal canon event in this Spider-Man's life. And that is necessary for all Spider-Man. So when that happens, that's a big no-no, and they get back to the central headquarters of Spider-Verse, and Miguel O'Hara is like, you messed up big time. You, this is supposed to happen. This person was supposed to die. If this person doesn't die, then that's, then Spider-Man is not who that Spider-Man's supposed to be. You can't save everyone. Someone's supposed to die. And, and, and Miles is like, what? But no, I, we could write our own story. And in the meantime, they're like, by the way, you know, your dad is just promoted to captain and captain um, of the of the New York Police Department is often the one who dies. And a lot of all these other Spider-Men's lives, that is what is kind of their big trauma that creates them. And Miles realizes like, oh, no, my dad is a danger. He might be dying. I need to go back and save him. And they're like, no, you can't go back because that. That might be the canon event that might be important to make you, you know, for your life. So we can't allow you to go back. You're, we're going to hold you here. And he's like, what? No, I'm not doing that. So there's this crazy escape chase sequence where hundreds and thousands of Spider-Man are chasing Miles um, as he's trying to get back to his home um, universe to save his father. Um, and he does. He gets away. He, he slips through the Spider-Verse. He gets back to his home and as he kind of goes back to his apartment he's like mom i gotta see dad or whatever and oh by the way i gotta tell you something i'm spider-man and she's like what i don't i don't what are you talking about i don't even know here and he realizes that he is not back in his home universe because in the current universe um his dad is already dead his uncle who died in the previous film is not dead he's still alive and he realized that why he's in this universe is the spider who bit him is from this universe. The spider that originally bit him was not part of the universe that, you know, he's from. And he was never supposed to be a Spider-Man. That was not supposed to happen. He is not supposed to be a Spider-Man. And that's why all the Spider-Verses and Miguel O'Hara did not want anything to do with this, with Miles Morales, because he doesn't belong. He's not supposed to be one of them. Um... But in the meantime, right when he realizes this, his uncle, who is the Prowler, um, basically realizes something is up, kidnaps him, and um, holds him. And right as he kind of is, Miles is telling him, like, look, I'm not supposed to be here, he reveals that 
in this alternate universe, it's not actually his uncle who's the Prowler. It's the alternate version of himself, who's like an evil Miles Morales who is holding him. And in the meantime, all of his spider friends, Spider-Gwen and the, you know, schlobby Spider-Man from the previous film, realize they need to go help him. So they try to jump into the universe. And then we cut the credits because that's the end of this movie. Because it's not a movie. It's a part one of two parts of a movie. Um, and we got to wait a whole year to see the second half of this story, or I think it's, but I think it's next year that it comes out. Um, and were there post-credit scenes? I don't know. I'm sure there were. No, but there was the were. end where Gwen's like, we're going to be the team that saves Miles. And it, oh, yeah. They right. bring back. And it's all the, our friends from classic, from the Into the Spider-Verse, which is the, um, Spider-Pig and Anime Girl and Nick. Nick Cage. Yeah. Is he there? He was there. I know. Uh, Spider-Punk yeah. was there too. And... And Spider-Punk. Um, yeah, Dobie. In- Indian Spider-Man was there too, I think. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah. another Dobie? What did I say? Sorry, not Dobie. Ho- Hobie. is Harry Potter. I mean, I guess he Hobie. is... Dobby yeah. is Harry Hobie. Potter. Sorry, Hobie. Hobie. Dobie not is Dobie nothing. <laughs> Dobie is nothing. Hobie is the punk anarchist uh, Spider-Man in this universe. There's a lot of characters I didn't mention, but he's prevalent, you know, featured prominently in this in this yeah. movie. Um, I think that's it. I don't. I think yeah. I I got through it. I think it was pretty. Yeah. You know, hopefully you followed that. Um, but yeah, there's in across the Spider Verse. Um, find your opinions and tell them to me. Gosh, where do we where um, do we start? I mean, yeah. It's, it's there's a lot it, it's a lot i mean that's my opinion yeah it's a lot <laughs> yeah. um i mean I, that's a fact that is a fact yeah okay so i didn't yeah. that's not an opinion then damn okay um yeah is is good is is i like <laughs> i like spider across the verse too is good and uh yeah we'll expand on that momentarily Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> also good like me. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I loved it. Um, I did see it twice, um, in part because I missed like the first five or so, maybe oh, even okay. ten minutes. But um, uh, but yeah, loved it the second time. Um, we Matt, you just said it, there was a lot. Yes, there was a lot. But I definitely helped on the second viewing. I just kind of like actually, be, your brain is able to process what is flashing in front of you at a million miles per hour um and that made me appreciate it more because you could notice more detail you know, more uh just kind of the way they set things up um get appreciate the art styling more all those wonderful yummy delicious things that the movie has to offer so yeah what all about right. you sean yeah it was amazing it was um crazy and great uh, yeah, I loved it. I really did want to watch it a second time, but I haven't been able to yet. Uh, maybe since maybe I will catch it again in the theaters. But um, and I'm curious. Well, we'll get into some questions on like how, if things maybe make more sense or clear, which we'll get into maybe later. But overall, yeah, it's just it's kind of funny too coming right after the Little Mermaid, which we were all general pretty positive with like you an asterisk on that film. But just like a film like this, where it's just like, oh my god, yes. It's like a, a punch in the face, a dive into like freezing water and being burned alive at the same time. Of just like, yes, senses, like movie at an experience, something. Yeah. It's not just like the 
boring milk toast like let's not do anything to make people any way you know like excited or get people's blood pressure up like no this is just like ah we're gonna give you a heart attack and that's what yeah. we want to do like and yeah yeah i mean it, yeah. It, it, in a word it was engaging which is what a lot of movies <laughs> yes, yes. like little mermaid yes. are like you know I, I i went off on my tangent about how i thought little mermaid the live action was probably probably inspired by once on this island and yeah reach or not that's me trying to engage with the material and yeah, yeah. I didn't have to try here because <laughs> yes. it didn't give me a choice, is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it, it did is, not. It grabs you and shakes you around for two and a half hours, and, you know, whether you want it to or not. And it, it's it's a lot to grapple, you know. And, and I only saw it the one time, but, um, you, you know, my brain was so frenzied through most of the movie, especially that third act, that by the end of it, and it, it it's done, and it says to be continued, and I'm like, okay, let me... I'm not. I'm. I'm glad because I. I need to process what I just saw. I need to put the pieces together, both like emotionally, and also logically. Because you know the whole universe mix-up thing at the end with the spider and whatnot. I was like, wait, what? Okay, hang on, what? Mm-hmm. And I had to take a little while to dr- to process it on the drive home and in that evening to figure out what exactly all the you know everything that happened. Um, but it's complex and it's uh it's 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 entertaining it's engaging the entire way through and uh yeah i don't i mean yeah so a, a film that i mean other than the yeah, first in uh, into the spider-verse but this like it's a film that is unapologetically not for everyone and by that i mean i don't mean that like I mean, I would like to believe that everyone should watch this and hopefully get something out of it. I think there is that possibility, but they are not trying to cater to every demographic. Your grandma, they don't care if your grandma likes this movie. Does that make any sense? Like, this is not. Absolutely. And and it's so awesome. It's like, yeah, they have a point of view. It's a movie that has a, 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 a message, a point of view, a directed audience. It reminds me um of scott pilgrim versus the world when i saw that kind of for the first time it's like ah a movie that's like yes this was made by our generation for our generation and you know like it's they don't care if like someone in the matinee showing on sunday afternoon and their family like that's not they don't want they they okay if they like it sure that's great but that's not they're not trying to appeal to this the lowest common denominator demographic and yeah, it's so just like yeah, refreshing I, I, when that happens. Well, so many of these movies are—they just kind of feel like they're made—they're—they're they're made by a committee, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of suits sitting in a room that say, "Okay, well, we have to meet all these requirements when we're telling this story. We have to make sure that mom's happy and dad's happy and mm-hmm. little sister's happy, and you know, what I mean, and fulfill those kind of check boxes or, or or whatever, and kind of make sure it's not too wild or crazy, and make sure it lacks any sort of." you know vision <laughs> well yeah and no and, and so this movie is and i think and hope sean like you were saying that that is what makes it succeed is that people do flock to that for those reasons yeah, yeah. oh absolutely yeah i think it's, it's weirdly kind of like you know, it kind of not paradoxical but what is the word like yeah when by trying to make it appeal to everyone it actually really appeals to no one right whereas right. if you do have a directive you are going to draw a much bigger audience than you maybe even realize um and and i think also too is i mean whatever we all love the marvel movies by and large those are all awesome we are all go listen to half our episodes and you see you know hear how much we generally like them but 
you know, to to their criticism, I guess. I don't, yeah, there there is that element to those movies where they are very, you know, um, the edges are sanded down. They do have an appeal. Like, how can we maximize appeal on this? And I think a big part of that is to distance themselves from the comic book and not like not necessarily the story or characters but just the literal comic bookness of being a comic right. book and how like how is it we're we're 20 years into the comic book movie whatever renaissance or birth or whatever it is and there has been two movies maybe that are clearly like ripped from the pages almost literally like right there was this into the spider-verse uh, and whatever go hand in hand and what like angley's hulk right other than that none of them seem to care or even want to acknowledge the existence of comic books as a medium they just they just like oh yeah we'll take these characters and we'll just like like and put it into the standard cookie cutter film well language. i think it's a matter of like in adapting it they're like it's they're doing it like with like the opposite of literally adapting something where mm-hmm. you're we, we're adapting it literally to the medium in other words mm-hmm. we're going to tell this story as a movie yeah yeah you know what i mean like you know all the ways that a movie needs to be a movie as opposed to let's let's think about how we should adapt this different kind of medium into this medium yeah no i know what you're saying and i and and i'm not saying even that other way is wrong per se right like i mean obviously there's credit to that and that obviously does and can work but it's just like after everything what have we had like dozens maybe over a hundred like actual comic book adaptations and none of them have like tried to like push and pull and and you know break kind of ideas of what the medium and format could look like and the break in the fourth wall and just like literally use like it reminds me for good reason the lego movie it was just like oh yes this is a lego movie not just because it's they took lego and forced it into a movie it's like oh it's literally lego it's literally how they're playing with legos when you watch that movie it's like you're playing with legos when you watch this movie it's like you're reading a comic book i mean that in the literal sense and that there's cells and there's frames and there's text on screen and there's the same types of there's language that a comic book uses uh, and there's there's texture to yes there's texture to the animation to everything I, i guess it's um you know what you're saying is like it's previous comic book adaptations you know like x-men series most of the mcu it's it's taking the stories of comic books and adapting them into the medium in the way that's most palatable for people who are used to watching action movies. Yes. Whereas this yeah, is yeah, a celebration really of comics in the way that yeah. the Lego movie is a celebration of Legos and yes. so forth. And so that it embraces some of those things that you wouldn't typically find in movies. And for that, it brings us a movie that's really interesting and not like, you know, most others. In, in, and I, and that's sure. how you yeah. advance a medium. Is by doing things that you're not used to it doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's actually really well stated. I, I think in so doing as well, like because it was this content in this medium, I think just on its own right, never mind it being this excellent adaptation as you guys are saying, but it pushes animation as as a medium on its own to its full potential. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm not even sure I can think of another just straight up animated movie that is so visually interesting, risk taking, mm-hmm. fascinating to look at every single frame and just go, Oh my gosh, they're, they're doing so much here through visual storytelling 
and just being as creative as you possibly yeah. could be. There's like, I'm sure the people who animated this film, I, oh, I, I, I can, I know because I can see the love and the care and the expression of every frame, how probably, you know, satisfied they were to be working on this. Yeah. I mean, like I'd read that that final chase scene with all the Spider-Mans took four years to animate and, like oh I, I, yeah, like that. I believe Jesus. it, but yeah, it's um, yeah. It, 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 I, everything that you just said about this movie about like how groundbreaking the animation is and how you could see all that. I thought that about the first movie, and I also yeah. thought like I don't, I don't know where they could go from here. I, I was I was excited <laughs> for this one for the sequel, but I was also kind of like feeling like we were going to get more of the same. But this one almost makes the first yeah. one feel quaint. It, no, you're absolutely right. I hate. I didn't even think about it, but now that you say that, yeah, that, it kind of. You're right. It does feel safe by comparison, because um, I remember th- seeing that first one and being blown away in the same way that I just expressed. Like, right. th- yeah. well, you have to think. I mean, also, if I'm not mistaken, the first Spider Verse movie was the first mainstream Marvel movie to tackle multiverse as a story concept it introduced mass audiences to the concept of a comic book multiverse and since then we've had a whole lot of that so you know i i feel like story-wise that was a big deal and also tonally the story was a little bit more lighthearted because you had nicholas cage goofing around you had spider pigs john mulaney and Mm -hmm. and in this one the stakes are raised so so the story for the first one now feels quaint by comparison because there's far fewer characters and the story's a lot more straightforward. And yeah. also the animation does too because this one takes everything that we already know from the first one and kicks it up several notches. You know, we're, we're seeing every spider character have its own distinct style of animation and they're all existing in the same frame. Yeah. And as action scenes are happening, those different styles of animation are smashing against each other and blending and blurring and it's um it's really a sight to behold and it's just not something that my brain would have been able to picture back when i saw the first one as this like next level you know and 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 now i'm at the point where you know we know that a sequel's coming out in a year from now and i'm kind of at the same point as i was from in the first one i'm like are they gonna do it again or like you know and by that by it i mean raise the bar or is it because they're in production at the same time, just going to be a continuation of what we, you know, of yep. this one. I, I think it'll be that. I mean, and not that's no. a bad thing, but, but as you say, they were in production at the same time. And, and I think originally even, I don't exactly know how production went, but they were supposed to be like one movie split into two kind of thing. And that's why the movie yeah. kind of feels the way it does mm-hmm. in terms of when it ends. So I, I hope they, they blow my mind again, but I'm expecting just, yeah, more at this level, which will still be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think considering kind of those production aspects, I'm more expecting at least visually to be at this level with maybe some things that are going to like kind of go above and beyond, but in general be very much um, very similar to this one. But what I'm hoping and what I'm expecting is that for the story and for like some of what they're doing, especially with the multiverse, and there's a lot of stuff that's very meta in this, and that to be much more like, oh my god, they did that in this movie, that kind of thing. Because 
I think even at the time, if they wrote this or they conceived of this as a singular piece, I think even knowing that I could see the second half and the climax and the fulfillment of what this is being very groundbreaking. So I think that still might be something that is going to be like crazy. And I hope, uh, you know, um, but I agree the visual style, like I, I partially just because I don't know what else, like, I, I don't know if it's like, how can I imagine? I can't imagine anything more insane. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what they could Right, do. but I couldn't when I saw um, the first one either. Exa- yeah, exactly. But, but so I, maybe that's I like agree it. with you. I think if we're raising any bars in the third one, I think it's going to be story. Because this one mm-hmm. ended, you know, and, you know, if I were to have a a major criticism of this movie, it is that it it just it just ends. M- yeah. Maeve, uh, yeah. Maeve compared it to uh, Dune in that respect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, except for Dune ended uh, 30 seconds after I started getting interested in the movie's plot. Um, <laughs> um, but this one, you know, was interesting from beginning to end. Um, but yeah, structurally, it is very much half a movie. And, and that is, that is yeah. honestly, that's it. That's, I can't think of anything else to criticize about this movie. Uh, yeah, I had the same note, and, and I also <laughs> compared it to Dune in that regard. Um, I do have some other, like, they're more like questions, and I think I need to wait till part two before I'm, you know, satisfied with those questions, with the answers to those questions. I mean, obviously, this is a two-parter. I'm not going to get all the answers. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys want to kind of get into... I yeah, so I, the... are, you kind of, I, are you kind of talking about plot kind of stuff specifically because that was yeah it's and i don't even want to like approach this purely as like us nitpicking or criticizing it but they're definitely and they it kind of maybe goes into the realm of like i don't know if it's questions we shouldn't be asking or i don't know how to frame it but so i guess the biggest thing to me is all the stuff with canon and if you think about some of these things how it doesn't really either doesn't make sense or they're aware of it and it's going to be addressed in the next movie or it's not really it's not really about that so much anyway so it's just kind of like yeah obviously this it's 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 a it's a causality loop paradoxical thing that ultimately doesn't make sense because it's a fictional sci-fi thing and that never makes sense when you break it down far enough um i suppose i'm leaning into the middle option i hope so too yeah in in that because I think they bring up these sort of plot points often enough in the movie that I think they want us to start noodling over them. Yeah. At least to some degree. And especially since the big twist, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll say it, we'll call it a twist at the end is reliant on our understanding of how the multiverse works. I mean, yeah. In, in, in so much that there's multiple um, <laughs> universes. <laughs> Uh, well, so, let's just articulate. Yeah. So I think the biggest, the, you know, the specifically the question is, uh, okay, so he has to, his dad has to die for that to, like, that's his canon event, or that's what they're alluding to. That's one of the big things. But if he was never supposed to be Spider-Man to begin with, why does it matter that his dad dies? Also, they imply that his uncle dying was his canon event. So why does, like, so he has two canon events. And then also, if he was not like he saved the Indian Spider-Man's family from dying. And so there's no canon event that happened in that, but him, or I, uh, I've already lost the thread a little bit here. Like, like if, if, if he existing is a non-canon event, yeah. why isn't his whole universe and potentially 
Earth forty two just destroyed, or or, or whatever yes. happens if it this, can't this is the kind broken. Of, this is the kind of stuff that I walked away from the theater a little like hazy on, and I yeah. think I have a I I you know I I did some reading and I feel like I have a better understanding of that kind of stuff. It's like you know the spider that bit Miles was from Earth forty two or whatever it was. Yeah. So, because it was from that universe, the Spider-Man that it created is that universe's Spider-Man. Yeah. Which is why Miles, he... Which is yeah, Miles. Yeah. Miles is... that is He's not the Spider-Man of his own universe. Because if you recall, in the first movie, that universe already has a Spider-Man, who dies at the beginning of the first movie. That's right. I mean, Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Yeah, Chris well, Pine. Chris is, is Miles... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 so yeah, that yeah, universe yeah. already has a Spider-Man. So, Miles yeah. isn't supposed to be the Spider-Man of that universe. He's... He has be- retroactively yes. become the Spider-Man of Earth-42. So, okay. Right. So far, so good. Right? Um, in Earth-42, his dad dying is supposed to be the canon event. Um, but is it, though? Because if the spider didn't yeah. get transported, would it have bitten that Miles or somebody else? That's something that we don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but the Miles that we know, the main Miles, his... If he was not supposed to be Spider-Man, then his canon event may or may not be a canon event. But as you said, it was already his uncle, the Prowler, dying. So things kind of like they can make sense is what I'm saying. Well, so, yes, I agree. And I'm hoping this the next film will answer those. But here's the thing. I'm kind of almost leaning into like a fourth option. And this fourth option is around there's something we are not being told by Miguel. I mean, there's probably a lot of things he's not telling us. Yeah, sure. He's, yeah. Um, but his his explanation for why these kind of events a need to exist and b destroy the or destabilize, we'll say, the universe if they're not executed, we we're not really given a full explanation for that. No. Yeah. The explanation we're given is very fuzzy, and then someone else I can't remember who questions him about. Is that. it uh, like the? girl on the computer what's her it's either the girl on the computer or it's just gwen it's one of the two and i can't remember now i should know because i just saw it again but um it's it's one of them two and like do you really know what happens when this happens and then he of course is defensive and says yes because blah 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 my backstory um so that's that's kind of i'm hoping there's something with that in addition this is a prediction we're getting into here that miguel is a foil for our Spider-Man, Miles, because he himself is not also not supposed to be Spider-Man. Mm. And my, my prediction yeah, for that yeah. is he is vampiric. Um, they mentioned yeah. that, I think, twice in the movie, and mm, I noticed yeah. this a lot more the second time. In fact, in the in the opening sequence where he jumps in to the Gwen's universe that helps him, he's about to bite the vulture's neck. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. I didn't notice that the first time because yeah. I, I, missed, I missed it. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, he's about to bite this guy's neck with some fangs. And he gets interrupted and doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, so I think he killed the, the Spider-Man from his universe and absorbed his powers. Hmm. Okay. Now, okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, well, I, I think that. Yeah. I think the details that you noticed are important. Yeah, and, I agree. And I think that you've made a good case for why that's what's going to happen. Um, and, and I think there's a good chance that that is what will happen. But whether it is or not, I, I think that those details that you noticed that I didn't are there intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's exciting. Good job. Yes. 
I mean, I, it makes me want to, for sure, I mean, I already really want to see it. All those details that I think could and probably are relevant for characters and potentially plot. But then obviously they're just like, no, I didn't notice that Spider-Man in the background. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then also just like, so the Peter or the uh, Pavit or Pav- whatever, the Indian Spider-Man, like, so his canon event hadn't happened yet, but he was in the spider squad, you know, like those kind of things. Like why, why was he already pe- part of the spider yeah. if his canon event hadn't happened yet? Yeah. Stuff those like kinds that. of there questions. Cause of also how does, yeah. yeah. Like how does time work? Like, are they, yeah. Can yeah. they jump back? Are they all on the same timeline? Like in terms of, I don't know. Yeah. Those are maybe questions I shouldn't be asking. I think that's maybe, you know where yeah. what's fairground, what isn't fairground in terms of what we can yeah. ask, but right, uh, yeah, that I, I mean, yeah. there, there's okay. So in this movie, there they reference the Raimi movies because we see yeah. characters from the Raimi movies. They also show yeah. Donald Glover as Prowler, which yeah. that's fun. Right. Okay, that's, so yes, and they do linger on him, like any you know, and there's they even come back to him. There's the other shot with him, like yeah, it, it definitely is and probably is just like a funny reference, but it's like. Is he actually going to be? Are you talking about some Roger Rabbit action? I hope you are. There was some Roger Rabbit action because he also the spot goes into the convenience store from Venom. Oh yeah, there's yeah, you're right. So so this connects to all the live action. Also, there's the Andrew Garfield sequence, like you see Andrew Garfield. Um, So my point being that in Spider-Man No Way Home, the other big multiverse Spider-Man movie. The Spider-Men from the Raimi-verse and the Garfield-verse come to this one where Spider-Man, Tom Holland, is still young and Aunt May hasn't died yet and blah, 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 blah. He is not the same age. They are older versions of those characters. So to answer your question earlier, how does time work? Yeah, I don't think that there's rigid rules. I don't think that they exist like in the same timeline. In sequence or whatever. It's not like the same... The no, they, the they can't because all. the live action movies already showed us that that's not true. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. this movie showed us true. that they are in the same universe. Although they did say that they have some sort of computer models that can sort of predict the future. But yeah. but I agree with you in, in general. Yeah, I think if you tried to I think if you tried to bound it by too many rigid rules like that, then, yeah, the yeah. whole thing is going to fall apart. And it's already right. And multiverse is a story yes. concept is already a big ask that that's what i meant when <laughs> yeah. i was saying just like if you start breaking down any sci-fi thing at a, eventually something's not going to make sense and so it's just like walking the line for something as bombastically insane as right. a multiverse thing in a comic book franchise but like in you know there's there's a layer or there's a level where like yeah, it's the multiverse. Uh, obviously, it's not going to make sense. Well, but it's not the multiverse, right? Or is it? Because it's it's the Spider Verse, and it's like everything is contingent upon well, Spider Man. Is it the like? So that is a question, just in general. Is this the same shared multiverse as No Way Home and as Doctor Strange and at, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, are we don't assuming? Know. <laughs> it has to be. Because according to this, I mean, I would like to say yes, just because I would say yes. What, yeah. But in this movie, then. Most universes are animated. <laughs> There's very few live action universes. Most of existence. Does Lego the, count as live action or animated? It's its uh. own thing. <laughs> <laughs> also, did you hear that they like as a 14 year old who they did got like yeah 
to animate that. It was like someone who made YouTube videos and they oh, loved wow. it and they reached out to him and they act, he actually animated that for like this yeah. multi Isn't that cool? I love hearing insane. that. that yeah. Again, just kind of shows like the love put yeah. into like a movie like this. It just, yeah, I, lo- I love hearing those stories. And even just like the risk taking, right? Like, yeah. can you imagine a committee of, I mean, whatever, I'm sure it did. It had to. It's Sony to sure. some degree be approved, but it just feels like, you know, no board of like executives are going to approve that. It just feels like, yeah, it's so punk rock. That's awesome. We're just going to do yeah, it. Spider punk. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of punk rock, that hope is great. The characters all like as much yeah. as I loved all the characters from Into the Spider-Verse. And I was like, oh, we don't get Nick Cage. Yeah. And we don't get as much as Jake Johnson and stuff. All the new characters I loved. Like they were yeah, awesome. I, I, they were so good. Like we, I love that we got more Gwen just in general. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But then that hobby character. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Like I, I – well, one of the things like, on the – I, something I Hobie. really got I saw a second Hobie 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 um, is I could not understand what he was saying <laughs> <laughs> so the second time I was like oh okay now I understand well, what did you, you did you hear that they they released a new print to theaters that had improved audio yeah I heard they like the volume was too low yeah some, some of the mixing with, the, with some of the dialogue especially not just him yeah. but like other lot of, well I didn't see yeah. it until after the new uh, prints were issued so I don't know but uh, yeah, I saw it before, and I, I definitely there were some times where it was a little like I'm not sure I didn't really catch that line and stuff. So. Yeah, so that that helped my yeah further appreciation of his character. Like, man, how are you? You're even cooler under the mask. I've always been this cool. <laughs> like, I just I don't. Uh, he was just so cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, his... yeah, he was great, and then Pavitter, uh he was. Oh, like, he was that so whole, good. That whole world was awesome too it, just like, like it was idea. so visually mind-blowing yeah. well it was also one thing i i love that not only okay just we'll take new york and give it a different color palette mm-hmm. no this was a i've never seen a city that looked like this on film it was so vertical like yes. the verticality yeah. of the city like it gives it this this entirely different feel and when i think about spider-man i'm like Oh no! This is Spider-Man's stomping ground. Yeah. That he would excel in this world far more than Peter does in New York. Like it, it's just so cool to think about. Yeah. They, uh, man, and I uh, just loved it so much. Um, and so just small tangent. It's funny. I I recently saw Metropolis. They had a screening up in LA at some like oh, theater. It was awesome. They had like a live organist and stuff. So it was fun to see it like. In theaters, I had seen it before, but this is the first time in a theater, obviously, and with live music, blah, blah, Um, And, it, you know, if you've seen Metropolis, yeah, you know what Metropolis is. But it really, like, highlighted the the crazy visuals of that movie, especially for the time and stuff. Yeah. And there's so much of the visuals of that, that Manhattan that reminded me of Metropolis those visuals of, like, the city skyline and how vertical it is. And I was like, I mean, in that movie, it's, like, biplanes, so it's kind of funny because it's made in the 20s. But, like, so they don't have, like, flying cars. But oh, there's just, like, yeah. airplanes f- flying around. And there's, like, these roads and highways that reminded me of that. Or, like, Coruscant from, like, you know, Star Wars yeah. or whatever. It's, like, this so vertical element to things. And I wonder how much that, like, they're just, like, borrowing and, like, taking Omar, you know, inspiration from, like, those types of classics, Different, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that that's I didn't hadn't made that comparison, but yeah, just like I I like that that, and and it, yeah, just in addition, that world had just its own unique style, mm-hmm. and I loved the Indian Spider-Man. He was oh my gosh, <laughs> I love he had those weird little top things. 
I don't know what oh, it was. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a thing. It's a real thing. Like, I don't. I, don't, I guess they're yeah, I, I, Indian. I don't know. Yeah, like, I've, I've seen, seen it before. Those, I just yeah. it just was a cool way of just like revisualizing yeah. Spider-Man because they also established that like some Spider-Mans have it um, embedded in the shooter yeah. web shooters, and some they had to make them. And so this guy, he obviously he had to make his own, but he made them as these little devices that yeah, were yeah. already sort of. Um, part of his culture in, in those yeah, kinds of yeah. things. It, it's just so creative and cool. Yeah. I, I definitely feel like when we're talking, talking about the visuals earlier, but just like in every element, just they constantly were asking themselves, okay, we cannot just settle and like, Oh, this is good enough. Every element of this film they had to, they were just constantly thinking like, how can we make this more imaginative? How can we make this more? Um, I don't know. Risk, risky. I don't know if risky is the right word, but just like, just like every element of this has to be imbued with just some oomph. It we're not just gonna, like there's no scene, there's no shot, there's no angle, there's no line of dialogue, there's no anything that is just good enough. Like it's very clear that they were just like, no, everything. We want everything yeah. to be at this extreme level. Um, yeah, I I was gonna save this for later because this is one of my favorite parts. But like, it, but it perfectly captures what you're saying, Sean. The the most quote unquote boring part of this movie is the scene between Gwen and her father near the end where oh, there's uh, talking in the kitchen. Yeah. It's the, it's probably the the slowest part of the movie and it's just the most you know slowly paced dialogue. Yeah. Yet it's the most visually interesting part of the movie yeah. for for me. I mean, you could mm-hmm. probably point at any 5 second part of this movie <laughs> yes. and say that's the most visually interesting part of the movie. Um but it's they gave her father, who's the police guy, I don't even yeah. remember his name, but his own animated personality. Every time mm-hmm. he's on camera, the color palette changes. It's yeah. like these watercolors, and they're a little more uh, pastel-y. Mm-hmm. And, and there's like these weird kind of like diagram, not quite diagrams, but like geometry going on yeah. that's slowly yeah. moving and blending, and the colors are changing. And it, it was... I gosh, I, I that I think for that reason alone, be, being able to appreciate that scene on a second time and just mm. it, it was so cool because honestly I didn't. It, it's one of those typical you know coming of age things. Well, I can't tell my parents the truth, yeah. right, which every Spider Man has to deal with, and especially in the beginning you're kind of like, okay, come on. Mm. But it's so like I don't even care. It it's so. It one it sold me by the end, so whatever, it's all good. But just like it, just visually, every time her ca- um, her father's on camera or on the scene is so amazing. Yes, they spent yeah. so much time. There's a lot of you know visual symbolism in there too. Um, I don't know if you guys have been you know reading the conversation about it, but the idea of Gwen's character being transcoded. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> because all those colors in her universe are the colors of the trans flag. And then her speech to her dad when she's talking about like I can't, I can't share who I am. I can't. I don't have the freedom of being the real version of me around you, or you'll disown me, right? And him being like, "Oh, I have to stick to my beliefs, and I don't believe what you don't you're doing or who you are is right." And that conflict. I, I think she even has a trans rights flag on her wall in mm-hmm. her room yeah. in one scene. So there's a lot of symbolism that happening there, and it, it definitely seems like you know it's it's very people are arguing whether or not that's intentional or not, but it's very clear. Um, it, it seems pretty, pr- it hardly even seems like subtext to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, mean, for I sure. Um, 
yeah, I think one, just one more reason to to appreciate that sequence. Yeah, for sure. I think there's if that is the case, and I uh, and I like that read for the most part. But I, I think in something like that, I kind of wish if if that was the intention, it didn't need to be subtext, specifically the trans. Like I, I think that scene works with or without it. But uh, there's an element where like I, I don't love the idea of like trying to sleuth out and figure out someone's I like sexual gender identity, like. I, I, like if that's her, what that her is, then yeah, just make that part of her character. See, I, and if it's okay. not important, then she can be trans. But it does. I, I, like I don't love the idea of us trying to like h- figure out the clues and piece it together and label someone like. No, I, she's trans, that's I, I agree with that, and there's a lot of that happening. But I, I think it's more of a this character is an analogy and is somebody sure. who, who yes. people yeah, struggling totally. with that can relate to. Oh, absolutely. In a way. Yeah, and, I, and I think I there's a yeah. similar thing going on with Miles at the end. And this might this is my reading of it. I haven't mm-hmm. seen this reading. But you have this movie where you have all these crazy different Spider-Men, Spider-People. And at the end, you have them saying, no, you are wrong. You don't mm-hmm. get to be Spider-Man. Yeah. Right? And I think that, I think that there's definitely... You know, I mean, when Miles, <clears throat> excuse me, when Miles Morales as a character was created, there was obviously bl- backlash. Yeah. The same yeah. type of backlash we were talking about with the Little Mermaid live action last last episode. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, why is it we can't have, why can't yeah. we have a black Spider-Man? Like, yeah. why can we have all of these other crazy ones? Also, you're telling me that Spider-Man as a concept is uh, like, that's already not too ridiculous for you. well and i and i think to that point too i think there's an element where i don't i I don't know if there's a term for this but a lot of times when you're making uh art or a film or whatever story that is obviously somewhat uh topical or having a message with current events and stuff you you kind of paint something else as even more extreme to really give context for how ridiculous it ridiculous it is to be upset with something as silly and stupid as a black Spider-Man or a Puerto Rican Spider-Man or whatever, right? Like in the con, like even in the context of this film is like, you literally have, you know, whatever robot Spider-Man and animal Spider-Man. Like (laughs) Spider-Man that like, really you're okay with that being somehow a protector of the, the, the multiverse, but I'm not okay. Like that, like, right. It really paints the ridiculous picture of like, Really, you're not okay with the black mermaid. You're not okay with the black Spider-Man. You're okay with everything else. You're okay with a giant galactic guy collecting five gems and snapping his fingers and everything falling apart. Melissa McCarthy and, turns uh, into a kaiju. And Melissa, yeah, and yeah, like that's fine. That's fine, but th- that's too far when the slight hue on a person's skin for a character is not exactly how you want to see it. It is pretty, yeah. I think that is definitely gas or uh, lampshading that element. Of yeah, it, so. I, I think it's intentional, and if not, I think that reading still works. And I think that yeah, yeah, yeah. both of those readings of those characters, um, you know, I think they are supposed to be subtextual. I don't think that that's, I don't think that in the movie, I don't think that in the movie Gwen is actually trans, though. There's nothing in the movie that says she isn't. But yeah, I don't. And, and, I don't think yeah. that she actually is, though. I don't, and, and I don't think that Miles Morales, the character, is saying you just don't want me to be Spider Man because I'm yes, black. Yes, uh, totally, exactly, <laughs> right. Yeah. But, right, right, right. But those, I do think that the subtext were intentional in both cases, and I think that's yeah. great. I mean, it, it really, yeah, no, I agree with it, that. It makes sure. the movie even more um, of this time, 
you know yeah. it's already it, you know it, it it's you you see that and you also see you know the modern music influences uh street mm-hmm. art influences and you see influences yeah. from all these different things and i think that that really i think it's really going to create a movie that this will be something that um kids now will look at as adults like we look at toby mcguire spider-man like that this is their this, yeah. this is their version oh yeah I, I i think you're right I, I hope you're right too like that's so amazing to me that i'm jealous of them i don't get to have this spider-man <laughs> yeah. uh yeah uh, speaking of music though the score was so amazing oh my god i loved it so much uh, it's yeah. just like it was so mm-hmm. kind of weird and off, like kind of keeps you off balance a lot of the time um and then it was you know actiony when it needed to be yeah um i love awesome i love that the bad guy was the guy who got hit with a bagel <laughs> yeah because yes. that, that was one of my favorite moments of the first one yeah i remember yeah, you yeah. talking about that on this podcast where when you know all the little comic book pow blams yeah. you know spelled out that one just said bagel yeah. <laughs> um, also, just that. in general, like it's funny how that character develops and how like our expectations are even played on mm-hmm. with how that character because because it does come across in that opening scene, that open opening sequence as just like oh he's just kind of a side guy before the big real threat happens, right? Yeah. That's, that's oh, yeah. a Very comic book. I don't know, tropes the right word, but like we've seen that a lot of times in comic books where, or comic book movies especially, where there's a little opening sequence of they're fighting some no-name villain, and then the real villain comes up, and that's the bulk of the movie. But it's it ends up being him, and it's just like even, like, cr- it goes crazy. And just like, I mean, anytime you're dealing with portals and anything, that's just like immediately like, awesome, that's, that right? Yeah. Like, okay, win. And then like, just like, I can't even understand what is, ha- it's like, I could just like watch this six times just watching the portal sequences yeah. to like grasp, like, it's it's so, again, it's so imaginative, like every, it, it's not just a simple punch, punch, kick fight. It's every literal movement in these sequences has to be something that's blowing your mind. <laughs> Well, not only is it just not a simple kick, kick, punch thing, it's every every scene has many things happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, not, Peter, or sorry, uh, Miles isn't just fighting a bad guy. He's eating empanada and fighting a bad guy. <laughs> and also, he's running late for an appointment, so he's yeah. trying to, like, change his clothes, and he's doing all these like every scene has he's multiple things are happening so there's no such thing as a fight scene in the movie <laughs> yeah. really it's, it's no he peter's just trying to get from point a to point b he's not actually engaging in <laughs> combat right now um uh, but yeah there's the and then like the way he like when he kind of finally thinks he has him defeated it's like he's he's just holding him the spot is just like somehow holding himself by his own arms through the portals like it's like oh yeah right like he's like it's i can't even explain it or even like understand what i was looking at when i was looking <laughs> at it. and then also i don't know if this uh i i'm pretty sure this was a thing but like as the film progresses the spot becoming feeling less tethered and more just like sporadic and more sketchy and more like um i don't know the right word but like like uh 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 
like he's just kind of like seizure-y. like the lines yeah. are just like like hand drawn sketches yeah, it's got like, some like horror movie vibes to it yes and it also yes, yeah. appropriate because it feels like he's he's definitely losing his humanity over the course of oh, the film for sure. and yeah, the animation right. reflects that i love how the animation reflects every like state of mind and state of being and character growth and everything yeah. it's yeah it, it, yeah, and, the, and like the environment reflects the emotional state mm-hmm. of the person, right? Like you can't do that in live action. That's yeah. uh, so cool, man. If like if it's it'd be great, like if they had a movie about like creatures that talked under the sea instead of just making realistic creatures, they could make them animated. That would be a oh, way man. better way to tell a crazy cool story about those creatures. You're a visionary, Sean. <laughs> I think we need to stop letting uh, live-action Little Mermaid live rent-free in our head, you guys. Uh, it's just a live-action <laughs> Disney movie. They're never going to stop making them. I know, I know, I know. But it's just like, it, I don't know, like I said at the beginning, it's just funny how we're doing these episodes right back-to-back, and I, I feel like in so many ways it's, I don't know, telling and maybe glean more from this movie than it even, I mean, not that it doesn't deserve everything that we're saying about it, but like, I think it even gives more context, like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. Well, so you you guys, you're talking about this, the sketchy nature and like the, almost Mm -hmm. the horror film vibes. So if you remember that starts happening when they go into the collider in the, um, the the Indian world. Um, and something happens where Spider-Man it crosses over with the spot and now he can sort of see the future or see what's inside of the spot. Like they're, they're sort of somehow weirdly crossed over in their brains or something's going on. So that's, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with that. Um, Cause it, it, yeah. I I I think spot has the potential of making the third movie very weird. And I want to see it get really, really weird. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's how they do kick it up a notch, is by just letting it get super weird with portal stuff in this. I mean, it's it's called Beyond the Spider Verse, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's just the catchy name they came up with or not. But if you know, we really starting to getting into like universes starting to break down, and we're in voids and weird pocket dimensions and stuff like that. That could be really fun. I mean, I wouldn't be against it going like super adaptation, where it's just like somehow weirdly autobiographical like it doesn't even make sense oh, it's like abstracty like it's abstracty like, and there's like layers upon layers where oh. it's like lord and miller are actual like characters in this movie oh. somehow or the director is or like i don't know like like that's what i mean is like I, I i'm not saying i wholeheartedly yes just for the sake of that doing that but i i trust them enough like, to basically those try to do a she-hulk into, but yes 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 absolutely but i hopefully but do it well better, i mean we all generally like She-Hulk, but I had yeah, my issues yeah. with the end of it, and so hopefully kind of do it better. But something like that, where it's just like, beyond, the, like you said, Chewie, beyond the Spider-Verse. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't care what they do as long as it's good. And well, I have no reason sure. to believe yeah. so far that it won't be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and quick note as to maybe a strong reason why it was so good is that at the helm is Joaquin Dos Santos, our, our friend from Avatar. Our friend. Was yes we have we've met him haven't we I don't have we think i no, uh, well i mean maybe you guys met him at a convention or something but i don't know i don't remember meeting him i don't think he was he was when we're at nick studios no 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 at the comic-con is what i was at comic-con to. maybe yeah, we've maybe. seen him on a panel or two or panels we've seen probably yeah yeah so that, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, your friend. He's our friend. Your, your... So basically, our friendship inspired him. To like, I thought I have like a poster with his signature on it. It's like, that's, I... And that's yeah. proof that he's my friend. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Why else would he sign? Oh yeah, I have that yeah. poster too. It's, I'm looking at it right now. It's up on my wall. Great. Is is the one of Amon, right? Or yeah, Amon, or yeah, Amon. I have that. Amon? It's right there on my shelf. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's actually it's right behind me as well. Oh, I guess he's my friend too. Well, oh, well, well, what do, what do you know about that? What do you know? <laughs> Good job, Joaquin. I'm so proud of you. Wow. Um. <laughs> well, so what about uh, again only seeing it once and missing like ninety percent of everything that happened in this film? But the sheer amount of spider people that are in this movie—it's um, a lot. There's a lot, mm-hmm. and it, it's funny how just like that chase sequence is insane. And then it's also funny like which ones they kind of highlight at when the the Ben, what's his the 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 broody like who Andy Samberg did the voice. Yeah, uh, Andy Samberg. Uh, but like that's a Spider-Man from like I think the 90s. They was like they played the, in the super emo, edgy, y- dark, punky, you know, punky yeah. who was just constantly brooding and monologuing and stuff. And I love how like self-referential and just kind of poking fun yeah. of that is. But I, I don't know how much of these are from things or how much are original. Like is I'm guessing Miguel O'Hara is from something, right? Yeah, yeah, he was a com- original creation, Spider-Man Earth 2099 or something like that. Okay. So he, he he does get his own stories and stuff yeah and obviously you know gwen 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 stacy and i don't a lot of the other main guys but like is jesse the the other like uh miguel's kind of second in command jesse what's her name uh the the spider woman um is she original is the i think she's original yeah original? i'm looking it all up yeah. right now so yeah miguel is from a comics run called spider-man 2099 okay yeah. so that's real and then jess drew uh no she's she is original yeah okay okay um i liked her a lot yeah though too. she's I cool she was yeah. great. and i also like that she I, I think sometimes those uh the, i was afraid they were going to undermine her character by which i mean she was going to come across as too motherly and soft especially by the end of the film where she was just gonna like oh you're right i love that she stayed with like no we gotta hunt this guy down yeah. and no gwen you can't do this like you like not that i agree with her i just like i like that that was her character and she didn't become a very i don't know i think kind of like blase predictable like oh you're right he's just a kid we should help him out i i, I don't know i just appreciated that they kind of kept kept her this little bit more hard character um, yeah i like that too but, yeah. Um, yeah yeah she's good um, and um, the you know Jake Johnson is schlubby Peter uh, Peter Parker is just always great and fun and you know he wasn't in a ton but I loved his role and baby <laughs> baby Spider Man yeah. and stuff was funny yeah uh, well, yeah it was uh, so speaking speaking of all the Spider Mans and kind of going back to a little bit of what we were saying before but I, I wanted to get you guys' take on. So, so every all the Spider-Mans, Spider-Things, because I guess it's not just people, right? There's ca- Spider-Cars and Horses. Yeah. And spider, oh, it's Spider-Ham, by the way. We were saying Spider-Pig. Spider-Pig is the Simpsons. Oh, yeah. why didn't that show up? Yeah, the, oh, they should. That man, they should. Oh, yeah. They... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would be, yeah, see a actually, Spider-Man in Simpsons style? Spider-Pig why, could yeah, be I... in the background somewhere. We just wouldn't know. It's too many. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. a good chance of it. Yeah, I have to go frame by frame once it's on streaming <laughs> or DVD. Um, it, right, so I wanted to ask you guys, I, I just had a hard time believing that, like, 
Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, or Tom Holland would go along with this plan. Like, part of my definition of Spider-Man is that he's an independent and critical thinker. He's not one to go along with the flow. So I had that thought, too, where, like, uh, right, Spider-Man is, like, everything we know about Spider-Man, Spider-Man is not a henchman, right? Right. But... By the nature of what this kind of story is doing, and you literally have hundreds and thousands of Spider-Mans chasing after, like, they come across as henchmen-y. Yeah. And this is a very tempered criticism. I honestly don't, like, dislike anything about this film so much about it, but it is a thought I had. It was like, like, how are these all Spider-Man? Isn't every Spider-Man, like, kind of painting his own story to an extent? Right. And, and like... And they're all, and, and granted, we only have a snapshot of like three or four Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. So what if every other Spider-Man is yeah, a henchman? And it's like, oh, okay, I guess they're actually, we just got the, the that's oddballs. That's why they're telling these versions Spider-Man <laughs> stories, because they Maybe. know that it's you know, better well, than in a, right. in an infinite multiverse, uh, yeah. as many Spider-Man as we saw in this movie, that's still a small amount compared to infinity. True. So that is and, a good point. I, it is kind of one of those. It's like a, a, obviously the um, comparisons and or remind me of like Rick and Morty. With oh, the the, the Citadel. Citadel. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. if yeah. Rick is really the smartest man in the universe and he's always just like f everything. How is there possibly right. a society of them and there's people that conformed? Like right, it's like this weird right because he's he's the Rickest Rick of them all. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and so like Miles Morales is the most spidery man of them all or whatever um right so it was a thought for sure it was definitely something yeah okay well i i it and i agree it wasn't necessarily like a big detriment or anything it was just kind of like i'm not sure if i'm can buy this and also just like the idea that they're all again just by pattern all geniuses like wouldn't they all investigate this phenomena and not just leave it up to Miguel, yeah. especially when yeah. some of the other Spider-Man people, I can't remember who, did ask Miguel, like, how do you know what happens? Wait, hold on. Yeah. You've been going along with this plan this whole time and you yeah. haven't actually ever asked that question already, much yeah. less done your own independent research. Like, I, I Spider-Man is a scientist. Yeah. And... Well, they would have peer reviewed, and they would have looked at this. They, <laughs> I want to see, like, yeah, the Spider-Man public scientific publications. Um, oh man, I would love to. I mean, and and to that point, I think, and maybe maybe something that, well, I think it's this, you know, same layer level of criticism is even beyond the scientific. Just questioning is just philosophically, like. He could not. There would be more dissension among the Spider-Man ranks, and I guess yes. we kind of touched on that with. But, like, not all of them would be fine with just sacrificing people, like, right? It, that that would not yeah. be a unanimous thing in the Spider-Verse, I wouldn't think. I, yeah, I can't agree more. I Yeah. So, so yeah, th- I think those elements, it, 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 there's a little friction there. There's a little bit of stuff that kind of, like, I don't know, if, I don't know what the way, right way to put it is. Like, I don't know if it's, like, undermining Spider-Man. I don't think that's quite it. <laughs> not but I quite. Think it, I don't know how to articulate it. It just, like... It, it just, it, I just don't believe it, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's, yeah, that's the kind of the best way. To I, I'm not it. sure how else to, and again, like it, it's, that is sort of the premise of this movie. So it's like, yeah. well, that's what they want to do. Um, and again, I think there is, like, there's information being withheld by Miguel. So yeah, I absolutely that'll put it to rest. But, but yeah, so any, anyway, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there and see if you guys um, 
had similar yeah. thoughts. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just something that I can't put energy into thinking about right now because it's like <laughs> it's not I'm not going to get an answer. And nah, yeah, it's true. And, it's true. And, and and whatever I come up with now is going to be challenged by whatever the third movie does. So I just it's just it is what it is for now. It's fine. I'm going to take everything at face value and we're going to we're going to matrix to this situation. <laughs> we're going to hope that the third one makes it make sense. Well, that's not a great comparison. No. Yeah. Well, but... I, you know, but I'm, I said we're going to hope that the third one makes sure, everything sure, make sure, sense. Sure, sure. Oh, so that's um, so let's we yes. we're, we're matrix twoing it. Let's hope we don't matrix three it. Yes, exactly. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, and maybe an extension of that, but kind of back to the positive is just in general. And this is something that I think the first one that did really well, and one of my favorite parts about it, and the extension of that message and kind of the theme of that, like right. Uh, my favorite line, if, well, one of my favorite lines was from the first one is that eventually the suit always fits, you know, whatever Stanley says it to him or something like that. Yeah. Along those lines, it's like, right. We're all heroes. Everyone is Spider-Man. Everyone can be Spider-Man. And the extension of that in this one, and this kind of cool, unique inversion where it's like, yeah, look at what Spider-Man can be literally anything you could imagine can be a Spider-Man, right? That's such a powerful great message i think like anyone can be able but the the cool whatever uh twist to that is the one person that's not supposed to be spider-man you they are protagonists right. like i think like right. yeah and yeah. and obviously that's intent they're playing on that and obviously the idea of him not supposed to be spider-man is, a, is wrong is a lie but it's just like oh that's a cool inversion where we normally have this destined hero who is supposed to be the hero because blah 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 and in this case, we have like the exact opposite, where everyone else is supposed to be a hero except for our protagonist. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. I, I love that. Yeah, and I and, and I think you know my reading of that in this one being subtext. I really hope that that's brought to the forefront in the third one. Yes. Yeah, me too. I, yeah. I, and I trust them. That's definitely something where I trust the filmmakers enough because mm-hmm. it's very clear to me that is front and center in their mind when they're doing everything in these films. Like I think the you know whenever you're making something like this it's easy to just like put those thematic elements in like in a line of dialogue or in one scene like that's the message of the film see because we said it at the climax but in a film like this it just is apparent imbued in every element right it's not something that they just like well we'll tack on there like this is as much as a film can be a passion thing or something that's driven by passion, it feels like, yes, they, they're passionate about this idea that like everyone can be a hero. We're all heroes. And if you're passionate about the idea, they're obviously not going to drop that ball or, you know, whatever. I hope they don't. So. No, I don't think so. And, you know, yeah. comfort in knowing that it's the same directors and writers and that they seem to have been all conceived at the same time. So yes. Yeah. 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 For sure. Good. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. Any other big topics you want to bring up, or um, uh, if you guys had any notes on the Prowler, I was it wasn't super thrilled with kind of like the way it ended. I, I did feel like this. I just felt like the stakes weren't like for that to be the cliffhanger. Yeah, is like we literally just saw him travel universes and fight off thousands of Spider Men. Right. And we just saw him go on this huge monologue to his mom about how confident and and buff he is. So to see him in that state, like right after that, I was like, this doesn't feel right. And like, for some reason, the the dangling threat, the sword of Damocles just didn't feel as like, 
Yeah. Yeah. It does like I get that the way these are structured, they can't have the actual biggest threat happen right now because they need that to happen at the end of the next movie. So, but it did feel like, well, yeah, of course he's gonna get out of this and beat the figure it out. Like, it's just yeah. One guy. I don't. I don't think that the right. immediate threat is the thing that we're supposed to be concerned about. I think it's the implication of sure, what does it yeah. mean that he can also be evil. And I, I yeah, think that's yeah. the thing that we're supposed... True. That's the thing that has me most interested, actually. That yeah. did work for me because I'm going, oh, okay, how, this is character stuff we can chew on and not just, like, yeah. how is he going to get untied and how is he going to, you know, fight his way out of this room? Like, I, yeah, I don't I don't really care yeah, about that I, so much. Yeah, I think... That's, and that's maybe partially why I didn't... It, the note didn't leave me on the right space because I wasn't really sure what the conflict was. He did Like, why is he being held there? Why? Just because he's... He's the bad version. Yeah, I guess because do they re- because I guess they recognize that it's him, and so the you know bad Miles is like there. Oh, there's another version of me, another universe, and that the potential implications that it that. Yeah, I just I don't, I don't know. I, it just without him even speaking a word, or he says like yeah. one line, but it it I don't know. It, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, Matt, I 100% agree with you, and I'm very curious to see where they take that. Um, I mean, it's, it's, we'll see if they did it better than uh, Star Trek Nemesis. I, I don't know. They have a high bar, but <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing just kind of reminded me, uh, kind of speaking a little bit to the, I don't know, maybe some sort of messaging or themes kind of running throughout. I like the idea. I mean, I don't know, I guess, but I assume he's going to save his dad in the next movie and he's not going to die. Could be wrong about that, but I'd like to think that he does. And I'd like to think that's intentional in the thematic element, meaning that like, I think we're so um, caught up or I don't, I don't know what the right way to put this is that trauma must happen in order for you to fulfill, like to be the best you can be. And I really like this idea that like that, that's wrong. That doesn't mean that people who have trauma cannot manifest that way or use it. But this idea that you have to go through, it's this, it's this toxic badge, right? Like that people then like wears like I look at what I went through. It's like, no, Sean. The only way you're going to become the best drummer is if J. Jonah Jameson throws cymbals <laughs> at your head. <laughs> also, yeah, J. Jonah Jameson in this. So he's now in four different Spider-Verses? At I least. Think I, think, right. I think J. Jonah Jameson being voiced by J.K. Simmons is a canon event. Yeah, just that. It's like what it was what's the, what was the um, Doctor Strange, the uh, the 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 same the thing that always has to happen in every universe. The, oh, the wait! Uh, oh, it's a fixed point. Are you talking about? Oh, you're in, constant in one. It, constant. Are you talking about in what if? No, it was. Oh yeah, because what if was it? What if what, or Doctor Strange two? No, no, what if, yeah, in, in what if, if they deal with the whole that idea where it's like, oh, yes. she has to die every in every yeah. single universe or yeah. So J.K. Simmons being J. Jonah Simmons is that is a constant whatever it was called yeah yeah i think constant is from lost <laughs> yeah, I, well, I didn't watch that oh well there's uh multiverses in that and time travel spoilers for like seasons. i'm not gonna watch it three on um yeah what else i don't think i have too many other notes um was there no post credit scene no there wasn't there, really no there was not scene? yeah no. uh. The post-credit scene is an entire movie. Yeah. Oh, that's a, that is something. I'm glad they changed the. T- I'm glad it is not across the Spider-Verse Part Two. I'm glad yeah. it is beyond the. Spider-Verse. They did the same thing with also, Infinity War. Yeah, I'm glad. 
yeah, good. Make them two separate movies with their own titles. Yeah, I yeah. I, I part one much prefer two. that. Plus, now we have three, or sorry, two Spider-Man trilogies with a weird naming convention that they've <laughs> decided to stick with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, where was Tom Holland? We didn't get any Tom Holland. Yeah. In this. I guess Dan, Dan Donald Glover is. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're saving him. I think he'll be in the next yeah, one. Maybe yeah, we'll see. see. I can see that. I I'm just got my fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, yeah, that'd be nice. Maybe. Yeah, Get, let's do a let's do a uh, No Way Home again and just bring all of them back. <laughs> Where's Tom? Is Tom Hardy gonna? Is is Michael Keaton from in the Venom verse gonna show up and fight the Renaissance Vulture? That Renaissance Vulture also. Oh man! Oh, that was, was cool. cool. That was that amazing. Was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was just like the first 10 minutes of the movie and didn't have anything to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it introduced things, but you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, we got right. Michael Keaton in good both movie. worlds. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Oh, yeah. Very good. We got to find out what he's up to in the DC world <laughs> later, <laughs> yeah. later this week. Yeah. Speaking Ooh, of which. I get to go tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, my oh I guess I could too if I, if I wanted to. I don't want to that badly. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. I'll see it eventually. I'll see it before next week when we have to talk about it. Yeah. It's Sounds our good. homework. Um, well, yeah. Anything else then, Spider-Verse, before we wrap up? No. I mean... It's great. It's oh, good. I don't yet. think we need to do recommendations for this one because, yeah. yeah, I think it's the most positive we've been on this show for yeah, a, in a while. while. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Good job. Good job, everyone involved. Uh, and uh, well, and us as well. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're great. Yes. Uh, congratulations to Joaquin Dos Santos, our best friend. Um, yeah. yeah exactly. We're really proud we of you. We are proud of you. Yeah, we could probably get him on an episode. Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll, work. we'll get right Let's on Let's get that. him on the Indiana Jones episode. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Can't wait for that. <laughs> I'm tired of being this positive. <laughs> exactly. You can't. Yeah, we got to go back negative. That's two weeks away. So. Yeah, I mean, oh, that's only um, two weeks away. Because I wanted to rewatch yeah. the Indiana Jones series before it came out, but I'm all like, well, I to, then I have to watch number four again. Yeah. Eh, we'll see. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do that too. But okay. Um, but yeah, listeners, write in, let us know about your spider takes, hey. spider verse takes. Hey, 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 hey. We are getting back on YouTube. We, um, oh, that's right. Yeah, we, uh, we were using a podcasting server host thing that automatically put our episodes on YouTube, and then that hosts went out of business so we got a new one and they do not and we tried to keep up by make doing it manually and we failed so <laughs> i'm i'm uploading our most recent episodes and i will be uploading them onto youtube continually in perpetuity and i'm also working on the backlog so if that happens to be your favorite method of listening to podcasts then um hey you're in luck because we are publishing there as well so that's uh and uh feel free to leave comments on any of our yeah wherever you're seeing our podcast but on youtube too Com- we get those comments comment section email address youngchunks.gmail.com either yeah. one of them let us know what you think we will read it on the thing and we will talk about it and yes and all that all right well um, okay um Thanks. we that's it we stay tuned to be continued to be continued in our Flash episode. Yum Chunks will return. <laughs> the Flash. Yes. Uh, and other things this summer. Still a lot of stuff coming out, so stay tuned. Yeah. If you want to keep hearing our voices. All right. Say goodnight, Ryan. 
Good night, Ryan. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I know. I know you're going to do that. I did it on purpose. What does Spider-Man say? Spider-Man away. Spider-Man ho. Goes... No, he doesn't have any lines. Oh, that was also funny. Where he's like, Spider-Man's supposed to be funny. But Miguel's like the one unfunny Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> also a reason why I think he stole Spider-Man's powers. Yeah. Oh, because he isn't. Well, his power, yeah. maybe, uh, Spider-Man, being funny is, is part of the powers you get when you get bitten by the spider. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah, none of these people are normally funny. Yeah. I mean, Tobey Maguire really wasn't funny until he... Until Spider-Man 3 when funny. he dances. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was the symbiote. Well, so. He's funny, but more, like, accidentally funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're laughing at him, but when he's <laughs> Spider-Man, we're laughing with him. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, enough spider talk. We have a whole other Spider Verse movie to talk about next year. Yeah. So, let's, sure do. Let's uh, let's leave it as is, and let's go and do. A... Let's go eat some soup. Go eat your dinner. Jimmy. I already had my dinner. Oh, okay. Don't tell oh. me, and don't tell me what to do. <laughs> the sorry. driest chicken noodle soup I will... ever. <laughs> <laughs> no soup, just the chicken and noodle. This has been after the credits. A Young Chunks podcast.